If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. Los mejores viajes nacen en la carretera, pero este comenzará en tu mente. ¿Escuchas ese rugido? ¿Sientes la experiencia de poder? ¿La emoción de la libertad? Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500, hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC. Unpaid loans and unearned salaries by health workers currently on Exodus make up a chunk of irregularities of the health ministry and the Gun Health Service when they appeared before the Public Account Committee Tuesday. The ministry took 10 of the committee to answer questions on violations pointed out in the Auditor General's report for 2022. It also emerged that at least three of these health workers have been referred to the Economic and Organized Crime Office, IOCO, and Interpol to assist with retrieval of the funds. My colleague James Averji was at the committee sitting and filed this report. The Minister of Health and the Ghana Health Service appeared before the Public Account Committee on day two of the committee sitting. Procurement breaches and end salaries and an unservice bonds were some of the several irregularities cited in the Auditor General's report for 2022. Now, in an instance involving the National Blood Center, Chairman of the Committee, James Kluche Averji, referred management of the Blood Center to the Attorney General for prosecution over some 130,000 procurement breaches. The next infraction is uncompetitive procurement. So there is a challenge at that uh, office yes, where, where we are doing restrictive tendering without 
seeking approval if you want to do uh, procurement instead of looking for at least a minimum of three invoices or quotations. That one too you fail to do. And this one we don't have any option than to refer you to the Attorney General for prosecution. So we are doing our part. Uh, you have breached the procurement law. So when you are prosecuted, the judges will take a decision on that. So clerk, take note uh, on that. Member of the committee and member of parliament for North Diroxin, Nelson Dapamekpo, who was clearly not happy with several of such procurement breaches that characterize the sitting today, requested that the chairman as well as the Ghana Audit Service get a bit tougher with punishment to such offenses, including prison terms. For me, even the rectification doesn't resolve the issue. So you need to take this matter seriously. It appears that procurement breaches are simply being, being glossed over and being treated with, with, with kid gloves. It's a serious provision that should guide you. So, Chairman, I, even the auditors in giving recommendations, they should have recourse to this provision. Thank you. Yeah, we know they've been making a recommendation that the, the sanctions under the law should apply. It also emerged at a sitting today that apparently some nurses or health workers who have left the country to seek greener pastures or to further their education outside the country have left with loans and unearned salaries which they haven't paid. The Director General of the Ghana Health Service, Dr. Patrick Kumar Bwaji, explains how they are trying to retrieve some of these monies. Damien Inso Ayini is currently, we believe, is in China. We managed to, to reach him. He's not paid. Uh, so we tried to place embargo on the guarantee's salary. But the court is demanding, uh, the, the bank demands a court order. And we are working on making sure that we retrieve the money from the guarantor. Okay. And unfortunately, they, we never get anything in writing from them. So, so when was the last time you visited them? To, so that you're able to respond to this question intelligently. <laughs> Sir, uh, I have to confess it was, it was last year. Last year? It was last year. Um, January or February or December? Around November. I don't have this exact date. And what is the update from Yoko? Uh, they, they uh, there's nothing specific for, uh, sorry, I have to find the right words to say. So when you say they are making an effort to resolve this thing, it is not true. <laughs> okay, uh, then I suppose what I meant to say was that we have, we have reported the matter to Yoko. Before all of this unfolded in the early hours of the sitting, a spectacle actually happened when the Minister of Health as well as his two deputies were announced to be absent at the sitting. And also the Minister is not here. We have colleagues who have contested this election and they are here. If they have lost, there are people who have lost and they are here. Two of the deputies lost, that's fine. But it doesn't mean that they shouldn't work. Are they resigning? I think they're not resigning, they should be here. 
So I don't think that that's a good excuse because they have gone to test, uh, contest elections, they are unable to come. I mean, that, that, that's, that you should get a different excuse. And the worst of it is that the chief director is not here. I mean, you're not taking us serious. Chairman of the committee, James Kluchiavaji, interceded in the situation as he urged the members to calm down and ordered proceedings to... Chairman of the committee, James Kluchiavaji, interceded in the matter and urged members to calm down as he ordered that the sitting or the hearing continues even in the absence of the ministers so far as the dg for the ghana health service dr patrick Mabwaji, and the director from the ministry of health are sitting in for the uh, ministers the committee resumes tomorrow to continue with hearing of the directives in the committee resumes on Wednesday to continue with the proceedings. Now, Special Prosecutor Kisei Jabeng has expressed grave concern about Ghana's fight against corruption as the country scores 43 on the Corruption Perception Index for the fourth consecutive year. At the 2023 roundtable discussion on the latest Corruption Perception Report, the OSP called for the establishment of the anti-corruption court that will prosecute persons caught engaging in the practice if the country is serious about fighting the menace. Ghana has for the past four years scored 43 on the Corruption Perception Index. This year's score means the country placed 70th out of 180 countries ranked. The nation's static rank has led stakeholders to raise concerns about Ghana's efforts in fighting corruption. At a roundtable discussion on the 2023 Corruption Index, Special Prosecutor Kisia Jabin proposed the establishment of anti-corruption courts to fast-track the prosecution of corruption cases. If we style for truth and we place no premium on integrity, we dim the light of justice and we darken the scourge of corruption. That is to say, the absence of truth and integrity are the bedrocks of corruption. May we assure anti-corruption law enforcement institutions the flow of adequate resources. May we assure in actual practice the independence of the judiciary. May we assure that judges would adjudicate with boldness without fear of reprisals. May we assure that judges would adjudicate without fear of compromising their promotion and advancement. May we set up a specialized anti-corruption court manned by especially trained judges in the field to swiftly and efficiently deal with corruption cases. Executive Director of Economic and Organized Crime Office, Yoko Mamiya Tiwa Adudankwa, says Kenyans should be deliberate in fighting corruption, a step she believes will go a long way to help curb the menace. story of somebody who requested for help, or Mumu, and I agreed, a student. And the person, after, when I agreed that the person said, I should send her the Mumu, she called again to say, I'm owing on my Mumu, so don't send the money on it. Otherwise, they will take it. But I still did. The point is that this person doesn't know that a profit which will affect the tax that they have to pay to the state. So the little, little things that we do, if we really know the implication and its impact on everything, 
Chief of Staff, Fremont Selpari, who was also present at the event, touted the strides made by the Akufuaru-led administration, claiming that significant progress has been made in the fight against corruption since 2017. Since the inception of His Excellency President Akufuaru's government in 2017, the fight against Corruption has seen a tremendous progress through the establishment of systems for deterrence, means of detection, undertaking of smooth investigations, and establishment of a sound vehicle for prosecution and punishment in a fair and just manner. Records show that governments have since 2017 undertaken some of the boldest initiatives since independence to reform the public sector and strengthen the capacity of institutions to car- tackle corruption. Despite its score of 43, Ghana performed better than 39 other sub-Saharan African countries, including neighbors Burkina Faso and Cote d'Ivoire. Now, Ghana has stagnated in the Corruption Perception Index, uh, scoring 43 out of 100 for the fourth time. It has maintained a score since 2020. The country currently ranks 70th out of the 180 countries ranked in the world. This was captured in a report released by the Transparency International. The CPI 2023 scores ranks uh, 180 countries and territories by their perceived levels of public sector corruption. Let's break it down for you. And I'm joining in studio by our lead data analyst here. I join you, Isaac. Uh, first of all, what are the key areas that the report captured? Well, so one key area that mm. the report actually focused on is the weakness in Ghana's legal system, which they say has become a fertile ground to break corruption. But Kojo, I want to ask a very simple question. Your child goes to school, comes back home, and his first examination or core subject that they must do, they score 43 over 100. That's a complete failure. And that's the situation of Ghana's Corruption Perception Index. Since mm. we featured uh, in 2012 under President Mahama, we scored 45, mm. uh, you know, uh, over 100. That was what President Mahama inherited mm. in 2012, moved it to 46, and his best was 48, which is currently the country's best uh, in the span of a decade that mm. we've actually had 48. But what happened was that after President Mahama took mm. us to that 48 mm-hmm. out of 100, before he left office, he has seen a significant decline mm. consistently from that 48 to 45 to 43 before he left office. Mm. So we can say that he inherited 45, and by the time he was leaving office, the country's corruption perception index was, was around 43. Okay. Then comes President Kufuado in 20. 17 he inherited 43 okay now his first year we saw a significant dip he lost mm. three of but, but, but but can we say 43 when it's 23 is 2016 2017 is 40 it's 40 mm. that is president Kufado's first year okay because 2016 mm. still under president Mahama. Okay. so he president Kufado inherits 43 okay his first term he gets 40 mm. that was a significant drop okay then second year third year we began to see some marginal improvement from 40 to 41 held it constant up until 2019 then 2020 we saw his significant improvement from that 41 to 43 Mm. and since then the corruption perception index has Mm. been held constant for the past 
let's say four consecutive times mm. it's been at 43 and the corruption you know gii is saying that you can actually map this to the weakness in ghana's legal system mm. we have something we call the global you know rule of law index and what we realized was that when you compare this data to the global you know uh, rule of law index there seemed to be some sort of positive correlation between when your legal system is weak mm. versus your corruption perception index okay so for us we've been dropping and currently our global rule of law index has been held constant for the past three years mm. and that's the same story Mary, as we see here uh, on the corruption perception. very interesting this tells us the Ghanaian picture mm -hmm. now the local chapter the uh, transparency international has some recommendations as to how we can better this right yes absolutely the mm. first recommendation goes to again the legal system mm. they're saying that reduce the immunity that judges they have in their legal you know issues reduce it because they believe that uh, you know the legal system has become a fertile ground for mm. corruption to breed and then also the media we have a, a part to play in here they're saying give the media the chance to actually report and investigate on some of these issues but it's sad it's sad that if you compare the corruption perception in there's just stagnated over the period mm. The press freedom index has been declining in terms of our rank globally. We've, yeah. we've been, you know, reduced to I think 40, uh, 60 something out of one hundred and eighty countries, and that's also another challenge over there. So give the media the chance to investigate. Then they are also calling for a law to be introduced in Parliament, which will track, you know, public servants and then you know expenditure of the public service because it features heavily in a corruption perception index where people believe that there is high corruption going on in our public service space mm. and those are some of the recommendations put uh. together by you know the ghana uh, you know uh, the ghana chapter of the transparency international so that's a ghana integrity, integrity initiative, initiative gii well so th those are the recommendations there but let's get more on this uh, index by speaking to the fundraising manager of the ghana integrity initiative michael body who joins us via zoom and i'm grateful to you for joining us um, first off, let's understand the methodology that was employed by the Transparency International for this survey. Very well, thank you, and good evening to your viewers. Mm. So, I mean, the Corruption Perception Index actually measures uh, perception of corruption by experts and academia uh, that visit in your country that, or that do business in your country. Mm. Now, their perception is weighted over... Uh, a weighted average and the score is obtained. Now, the corruption perception index is said to be a composite index, so it measures the or it weights uh, perception of a number of uh, various uh, index or indices. Amongst them, we have the African Development Bank that measures policy and institutional assessment. We have the Bettelsmann Shifting Sustainable Governance Indicators. Uh, we also have the Bettelsmann uh, uh, Shifting that measures transformation index. We also have the Economic Intelligence Unit uh, that measures country risk service. We have the Freedom House uh, Nations in and that looks at nations in transit. We have the Global Insights Country Risk. Uh, uh, rating, and then we we have uh, the M the IMD uh, World Competitive Center, and that measures the World Competitive Year Book Executive Opinion Survey, mm. political economic risk, 
that uh, that looks at consultancy African intelligence and uh, Asian intelligence, and then we have the uh, PRS Group International Country Risk. I mean, there are thirteen in all. Okay, mm. these institutions do uh, various studies, and these studies they obtain data. When we obtain these data, and usually we use a, a, a two-year span, so between 2022 and 2024, the data that is collected is then aggregated, aggregated and weighted, and then a score is given. And that is how come we arrive at the corruption perception okay. index. But okay. largely, mm. all these uh, data are obtained from experts okay. and business people that visit the country or that do business in the country. Uh, there's, there's a wide range. And I'm, I'm grateful to you for uh, helping us on, on this particular one. I'm grateful. So um, he is with the Ghana Integrity Initiative. Now, two other stories. The Special Prosecutor, Kisie Jabeng, is proposing the inclusion of his office in the membership of the Judicial Council among a raft of suggestions he believes will strengthen his office in its fight against corruption. Speaking at the roundtable discussion on corruption organized by the Center for Democratic Development, he suggested that aside from the state expanding the scope of its powers, his office must be entrenched in the Constitution, similar to the Attorney General's office. What can be done to strengthen the OSP? Okay, why don't we start by entrenching it? Why don't we write it into the Constitution? Why don't we enlarge its powers? Why don't we insulate it from political marginalization? Why don't we insulate it from reprisals? Why don't we assure the flow of resources to the office? And then also I'm thinking, why can't we include the OSP in the membership of the Judicial Council, for instance. These will let it sit firmly in our estimation. He also called on the public to protect his office against individuals seeking to dismantle the six-year-old entity. Not infrequently, we hear calls, a lot of the time from very high places, that the OSP should be scrapped. And that serves no useful purpose. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. 
But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash Boost by Tax Day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Escuchas ese rugido. ¿Sientes la experiencia de poder? ¿La emoción de la libertad? Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500, hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC. En another score, there have been and there are attempts to discredit the office and its principal officers unfairly and unjustly, alongside formidable resistance and pushback. Careful examination of the reasons for the cause to do away with the OSB suggests that they are made without reference to the actual performance of the office in its six years of existence, and that the cause are born mainly of the teething challenges confronting the establishment of the office. Yet it bears reflecting that the creation and establishment of every institution come with the like circumstances of the pangs of childbirth and the raw emotion and anxiety of raising a child. These are natural. And the ordinary circumstances of mankind dictate that we must dutifully care for and nurture this six-year-old child, which is the OSP, and not kill it. With forbearance, let us mark her growth and development. Condemnation at this stage is wholly unwholesome. Then again, an objective evaluation of the attempts to unfairly and unjustly discredit the office and its principal officers and the resistance and pushback against its operations suggests evidence of the negativity associated with the human condition, born of the sense of self-preservation. That is to say, these attempts are merely a reaction against the office and its officers, depending on whether a person and his associates are at the short end of an investigation carried out by the office. Well, we can I speak to former Tamale Central MP, Nusa Fuseni, who has been an avid supporter of the OSP. Grateful to you for joining us. Now, the OSP has been putting up a number of proposals, including sitting on the Judicial Council, expanding of its powers, insulation from reprisals, and also entrenching its office in the Constitution. Are these valid suggestions if we are to win the war against corruption? <clears throat> well, we can say that they are not valid suggestions. But the OSC has an onerous responsibility of demonstrating that even in the absence of all these powers that he's asking for, all these amendments that he's asking for, he's working to improve the corruption perception index of this country. Four years out of the six years of the existence of the office, the country has simply stagnated on the corruption perception index. That's not too good for an office established solely to fight corruption or corruption-related offenses or breaches of the Pokemon Act. So I say that yes, every institution, bad institution, will have teething problems. But it behoves on those in the institution work to win the confidence of the people. At the time the OSP was established, or even before the MPP uh, uh, manifesto of 2016, 
Our position on the corruption perception index is far better, far better than our position today. But that was enough. That position was enough to persuade the MPP that enough was not being done to fight corruption. And they identified the reasons for the political fight against corruption as being the powers vested in the Attorney General could not be used against fellow ministers. And that was why that, that justified the creation of a separate office. And we had to navigate a careful road, total road, to be able to establish that office. Mm. Because we all believed and we knew that Article 88 vested prosecutor, exclusive prosecutor of powers in the Attorney General. So having established the office and having been given the privilege of servant, I think that the and, and even when we were doing the law, we knew that a lot of resources will go into the office. So when you read the law carefully, we were all left in no doubt that the performance of the office will come in for question in view of the resources being expended on that office. And so the OSP will have a responsibility to justify the existence of that office. That was part of the, uh, I mean, the things that agitated our minds. It's not looking too good. Then we have stagnated from the Corruption Perception Index, four years in the existence, the six years existence of the OSP, clearly meaning that the OSP has contributed nothing, the existence of that office has contributed nothing to our fight mm -hmm. against corruption. Okay. All right. Uh, so, 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 it, it may, but, but I mean, when he came on, we were around 40, 40, you know, and then, I mean, we are around 43 now. Can't we say that yeah, there's been a marginal when increase? On, when he came on mm. in 2017, we had dropped. Yes. We had dropped. I'm saying that at the time, mm -hmm. at the time that the MPP mooted the idea of establishing an office, our position on the corruption perception index was way better mm. than it is today. Mm. So the justification for establishing the office was that we could do better by the establishment of that office. Are we doing better? So you must measure the output, our, our, our position on the perception corruption index and the establishment of the office against the status quo ante, how it was before. And then you can come to a realistic assessment whether the office has made a meaningful contribution to our fight against corruption. Okay. So, are these suggestions worthy of consideration by, by the public or, I mean, government? Well, I think that the OSP must focus and deliver on its mandate within the limited powers that it has now. Now, if you are able, if he's able to do that, that he can justify why he should be given more powers. But even with, with, with the limited powers, he's not doing anything. I mean, we're not seeing much. I mean, it was fair to say he's not doing anything. We're not seeing much. And so that is reducing the confidence initially reposed in the creation of that office. Okay. All right. I'm grateful to you for joining us here. Um, this is still Joe News Prime. We'll take a quick break. We'll be back to stay. 
Welcome back from the break. Now, it's been two weeks since the Senior Staff Association of Public Universities declared a nationwide industrial action over their Tier 2 pension payment and other allowances. Now, since the action was declared, other groupings, including the Tertiary Education Workers Union, TEU, Ghana Association of University of Arbitrators have all joined in over similar concerns. Now, this joint action has begun having a biting effect on education at both the tertiary and basic school wings of these institutions. Peoples and parents of the affected institutions have begun expressing frustration following the total shutdown of the University of Ghana Basic and coming from University of uh, Science and Technology Basic Schools. First, my colleague Fred Kwesi Kwating has been to the University of Ghana Business School. He has been interacting with Benjamin Nkumsa, Vice Chairman of Teachers and Educational Workers Union, Teu University of Ghana branch. As you can see, the place is empty. And why is affecting basic school? Because in, under, in the university here, we have teachers who belong to the various unions, we have teachers who belong to Teu, we have teachers who belong to senior administration. We have teachers who belong to FUSA, that's the Federation University of University Senior Administrations. So these are categories of staffs and teachers who belong to the various unions. How many of the staff at the basic school belong to these unions? If we put it together, if I, I if if my I can I can say about we have about almost um, fifty I mean forty of teachers. Yeah. Forty of teachers. Yeah, because compared to the KG, the the primary and the um, the judges. So about forty, about forty of them now. The cleaners and the gardeners and the security men and. But I can see a pocket of students working on campus in uniform. Who are they and why are they there? If you are saying the basic school has been closed down. And the basic school doesn't comprise. It's, it's a big school and probably the people that you are seeing around are people that they are they from trees. A little dispensation has been granted to them because because of their peculiar they find themselves. So actually, those people that you see around there are the form three students. Now, the Common Core University of Science and Technology, my colleague Nana Boachi Yadom, interacted with the university relations officer, peoples and parents who expressed frustration about the effect of the action by the various unions. Here is his report. It's been three weeks since the Teachers and Educational Workers Union of the Trades Union Congress, the Senior Staff Association and the Ghana Association of University Administrators laid down their tools of a poor working conditions. The failure of the government to reach an amicable settlement with the striking workers appears to have compounded the situation as the industrial action takes a toll on activities on campus. Authorities at KNUST announced the indefinite closure of the university's busy school. Here is University Relations Officer Dr. Norris Bakwin expressing the university's frustration over the unaddressed educational workers' strike. It has become painful as it is. Um, the management has no other choice but to close down the basic school. And we know it's going to have effect on parents because some of them um, are having to go to work. Uh, some have to attend to other businesses, but they have to be home, which means that they have to look for other alternatives to, to take care of their kids at home. It has complicated, there's already a, a already precarious situation in the university when uh, the senior staff declare strike. We, we appeal for a quick resolution to the various issues that the various groups have raised. 
so that we so that it doesn't affect the academic calendar meanwhile parents and their wards continue to rule the closure of the school they say they are being forced to spend more on home tuition i'm hoping uh they they sit on a negotiation table as soon as possible to solve this pending issue Government must conclude its negotiations with the striking union. My children have to join me to make sales today because the school has been closed down. At the University of Cape Coast, issuance of certificates have been put on hold due to the industrial action. A notice cited by Joy News reads, it is announced for the information of the university community and the general public that in view of the pending strike by, this, by sections or university staff, certain services have been disrupted. Consequently, issuing of certificates have been suspended until further notice. Any inconveniences caused is uh, deeply regretted. So that, that's the statement there put out by the university. To other stories now, uh, the Bank of Ghana is under intense scrutiny following revelations that Cocoa Board failed to fulfill its obligations to settle investors' Cocoa Bills. The admission has triggered questions surrounding the central bank's oversight responsibilities, especially in light of Finance Minister Ken Oforiate's announcement of establishing a desk to monitor Cocoa sector activities. Cocoa Board, for example, uh, we have a turnaround plan, as you know, we had to restructure uh, maybe 15 billion of the cocoa bills in which we did seven point something and the uh, central bank also did uh, around that uh, amount. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, both the uh, governor of the central bank and the minister for finance, myself, will now be on the board. Uh, we also uh, have um, set up a, a desk or setting up a desk um, at the Ministry of Finance that will really interact with the financing division of Cocoa Board um, to make sure that the issues of fertilizer, cocoa roads, um, overheads, you know, are all brought um, into an ambit um, of, um, of discipline. However, as a nation awaits the implementation of this initiative, uncertainty looms over the payment of principals and coupons for cocoa bail holders. Among those grappling with these uncertainties are Mr. and Mrs. Echiquam, who, after over 35 years of service, find themselves financially strained and unable to cover their children's university expenses. Surprisingly, the Bank of Ghana's governor, Ernest Addison, expressed shock over the non-payment, saying he will investigate the situation. Very, very interesting question. Because I thought that all the individual holders of cocoa bills had been sorted out, actually. So I was surprised to hear about the noise that there are individual holders of cocoa bills that, who opted not to participate. I mean, individual holders were really not part of the restructuring of the cocoa bills. So that issue has to be resolved. I don't think that... Uh, there's any big debate about that. We said that right from the beginning that originally they should not even have been sold cocoa bills. And therefore we ensured that all individuals were paid. So uh, I, I was surprised to hear that there are few out there still that were not sorted out. And we would look at it. Well, as stakeholders anxiously await the results of the impending investigation, there is a growing sense of urgency for swift action and accountability. One of the customers, Mr. Echikwam and his wife, have been responding to the governor 
they spoke on marketplace on joining us. We hope because we have been told several times that oh they are looking into it, they are looking into it. So now it turns out that there is more to it than Mr. the eye. So we hope that with his busy schedule, he will have time to look at it. And then whatever needs to be done must be done. But the thing is, the urgency of the times, we need to have this thing resolved immediately. As at the time we invested, the, the city was, to the dollar was, you know, six cities. Now it's, it's 12 cities. So it's sitting there and devaluing and, the, you know, just even anxious about your investment devaluing and the fact that you are not even getting anything at all, no principal, not even interest, and nothing is very worrying. Very sad times for some, some of these people. Now, livelihoods of some 1,200 mine workers of the Future Global Resources Limited, formerly Golden Star Resources in Bogoso, in the Pristia Valley Municipality of the Western Region, are at stake as the company is on the brinks of collapse. Future Global Resources Limited is highly indebted to some state agencies and can no longer pay its workers. The management of Golden Star Resources Limited, which operates one of the largest gold mines in Ghana, changed in October 2020 when Future Global Resources took over. It inherited a liability of $38 million from Golden Star Resources, but the debt has now ballooned to $110 million. Now, a breakdown of the figures indicates that the company is indebted to the Voter Authority to a tune of $28 million, Gridco, $5 million, Mincom, which is the Minerals Commission, $8 million, and the Ghana Revenue Authority, $15 million. Also, local contractors and suppliers are owed by future global resources to the tune of $35 million, while staff are owed $18 million. Salaries of staff of the company are in arrears for the past two months, while the mine has been shut since December 7 last year. Workers on mining firm alleged that the new management has refused to make any investment into the company to prove it uh, to improve its fortunes. President of the Bogoso Christian Mine Senior Staff Union, McDonald Kitson Haite, fears a total collapse of the company could be imminent as government's intervention delays. Now, uh, he joins us via Zoom now for further engagement on this. Uh, grateful to you for joining us. What's the current state of future global resources? Um, I thank you. Uh, good evening, and uh, good evening to your viewers. I think you've summed it up uh, perfectly. Um, a mine which six years ago, in 2018, was a the best mining company in the country, um, six years down the line, is on the brink of collapse. That is the state of Golden Star, a future global resources as of today. Um, the mine has gone down for the past two months um, in December, and Minerals Commission even issued a statement today. Uh, attesting to that, that the mine has gone down since December. We were supposed to resume work yesterday officially, but we got to site and no management uh, member um, was on site. Workers are on site ready to work, and we hope that our cry will be heard by government, will be heard by the minister to rectify the situation. Mm. Now, how dire could the impact be on workers if the company receives no in- in- intervention in the next month? Um, the 1,002 workers we are talking about are even direct employees. Indirectly, we are talking about 10,000, 20,000 of people. The mine um, has engaged local 
contractors to undertake most of our services for us. So in terms of our haulage, in terms of our uniforms, in terms of our PPEs, in terms of the meals we eat, in terms of our basin, all these contracts are done by locals, people in the catchment communities. And we are talking about thousands of people um, running into about 15,000, 20,000 would be affected by this. Even just in the past two months, whilst we've been away, whilst uh, the mine has been shut down, you can feel the impact in the community. You can send your reporters to town to just interview people in their communities and you would really feel the impact in the communities and not just on the workers. Mm. So what's the way forward for the 1,200 staff? Congratulations. Your kid and your cash are off to college. Between his tuition and your credit card balances, you don't know how you're going to pay for any of it. If only there were some place to turn. Just ask your home. Your home's got equity. And with Rocket Mortgage, you can use it to get cash quickly for whatever you need. Visit JustAskYourHome.com today. Call 1-800-863-4332 for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. Licensed in all 50 states. NMLSConsumeraccess.org, number 3030. Um, we started um, some protests today. Uh, we are continuing. Um, as I said the last time, uh, protests, demonstrations, uh, picketing. Uh. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. A form of, of expressing yourself. We've written letters. We've, we've engaged management severally. But nothing seems to change. We believe that now the ball is in the court of, of government. And if I say government, in the boards of the minister, mm. that he issued a 120-day notice. It's had it elapsed. And the law is clear that the minister should take action. So we want the minister to take action. All we are doing now is for the minister to hear us, for government to hear us, that yes, people in Bogoso, people in Pristia, people in the nearby catchment communities also matter and are Ghanaians. All right, thank you so much. We wish you all the best. Was that the minister will attend to your issue so that you will have that respite? Well, this is all the journey sprung. We'll take a quick break. We'll be back with uh, Showbiz. Do stay. Well, time for us to bring you Showbiz now. And uh, Jacqueline and Sumaya Boys, I'm told that there's one movie that I love is featured here. Jacqueline, hi, how are you yeah, doing? Hi, Kujo. Mm-hmm. All right, now we started with Grammy. So the organizers of the prestigious Grammy Awards have released a list of African musicians who have backed its golden gramophone since the 1960s. But this has sparked controversy on social media after singers Whiskey and Thames were omitted from the 10 African winners of the award. 
Tune broke out on social media after Whisked and Thames were noticeably missing from the list containing African singers who have won Grammy Awards per the list. The late South African singer Miriam Makiba is the first from Africa to win a Grammy Award. <laughs> The pop singer follows in that order, making her the first Nigerian to win the Global Award, while Burner Boy is the most recent and last Nigerian to win the prestigious gong. The list has, however, stirred an unending pot of controversy on social media platforms due to the exclusion of Westgate and Thames, the Nigerian music heavyweight. On March 14, 2021, Westgate won his first ever Grammy Award for his role in Brown Skin Girl, a 2019 song by Beyonce, the American musician. The project won the Best Music Video category. Ojolegba Headmaker feat came about the same time when Burna Boy won his first Grammy Award, clinching the Best global music album category for twice at all his 2020 project goes to oh come on twice as tall burner boy Last year, Thames bagged her first ever Grammy Award. The Afrobeat singer won the Best Melodic Rap Performance category for her role in Wait For You, the 2022 hit song by Future featuring Drake. The development raises questions about the criteria used by Grammys in producing the list. However, while clarifying Whiskey and Burner's Grammy status, the award organizers wrote, Femu Kitty, Kinsani, Babatunde, and her rival Whiskey had all received Grammy notes before Burner Boy became the first Nigerian male artist to grab a golden gramophone for his original work. The Afrobeat megastar earned the prize for Best World Music Album in 2021 for his album Twice as Tall. The statement explains that, although Whiskey received nomination, he is yet to win a Grammy, while Burner Boy was praise for being the first Nigerian male artist to grab golden gramophone for unoriginal work. Meanwhile, some users have taken to X to argue that Whiskey and Thames were omitted from the list because they won the Grammys as featured artists, while others have taunted the two singers. The 2024 Grammy Awards will be held on Sunday, February 24th in Los Angeles. The award organizers also introduced the Best African Music Performance category to specifically honor African artists Asake, Olamide, Thames, Bernard Boy, and Arista were nominated in the category. Ghanaians part of those who are trolling the two artists? Well, some of them are, you know. Some Ghanaians are. Yeah, some Ghanaians are. And we should be laughing at ourselves because we have no, <laughs> none of our artists. Yeah, we don't have any nominations. So really. Anyway, congrats okay. to our Nigerians, the Nigerian brothers. They've done well. Yeah, they At have. least they are in there. Yes. They have one who has grabbed the gramophone itself. Yeah. So kudos to them. I'm mean, waiting sure. for the big the mm. big fishes in Ghana to get to that sound. Stone boy. Stone boy. Stone boy. Yeah. Stone boy. Now to your favorite movie, Suits. Yeah. Um the red- You know that that series got me to love law. Right. If I ever become a lawyer, it is because of that series. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Well I love Harvey <laughs> and I love the his uh, his boy. I forgot it is a smart boy. Yeah. Red Suits um, is the most watched movie um, in 2023. Now, it stars the Duchess of Success, and also um, we have a lot of people in this movie, according to um, just as we've seen here. Let's look at this. No, I'm sorry, I, I wasn't hitting on you. Trust me, 
I've given dozens of these, and without fail, whatever new hot shot it is. There were a lot of streaming auctions in 2023, but one of the biggest blessings was the resurgence of Meghan Markle, Gabriel Match, and Patrick J. Adams starring in Suit. Thanks to Nestle's aggressive marketing strategy, the legal drama series that ended in 2019 is back in the news. Not only that, but it is 2023's most watched show, surpassing the Big Bang Theory, Friends, and others. Don't we go out and celebrate? We're all in the same boat. Said about us working together. Seuss first ran on a cable channel, the US network, but saw a huge surge in viewership after being added to Netflix last year. Seuss leased with a whooping 57.7 billion viewership. There are 141 episodes of a nine series in total. I'm a horrible person. No, you're not. You are a great person who had a not-so-great moment. <laughs> oh, yeah, you definitely need to check that out. Yeah. 57.7 billion. The, the, the series deserves the, the, the views it's getting. Yes, it's yes. a solid one. I mean, when you watch it, you know that you can do a lot of things. Look, yeah. Mike didn't, was not a lawyer, but he was more than a lawyer. But then there's another twist mm-hmm. story that people are also talking about, the fact that Megan gave it, like, you know, it came back last year. People went back to watch the movie because of Megan. Oh, we can do that <laughs> argument. I mean, anybody who would want should come. We'll do this argument. The series rather gave Megan her popularity. Okay. Yeah. That is according to Kujo Brace. My rapping skills, I can probably do this line. But yeah, thank you for watching Johnny's Prime. But remember to brush your teeth day and night with Pepsodent. Because Pepsodent, uh, you know, uh, with Pepsodent, every smile matters. So don't forget this one. Well, that's all in the bulletin. There's much more on myjawline.com. Up next is Emma Davis with Prime Business. Please do stay. And welcome to Prime Business. My name is Emma Davis. Let's do some stories now. The Bank of Ghana has indicated that it will this year make a decision on the terms of participation in the Gold for Oil program. Government in February last year launched the initiative to allow the state to pay for imported oil products with gold. However, the initiative has been criticized after the country signed up for the International Monetary Program. Uh, but Dr. Ernest Addison, Governor of the Bank of Ghana, is commenting on this. We, we all sort of appreciate uh, the circumstances under which the Gold for Oil program was introduced. You know, uh, almost foreign exchange market that was not functioning well and speculation had taken over the market and the BDCs were speculating on what exchange rate to use, you know, in their transactions. It didn't help with the pricing of oil at the pump. At the same time, this also happened at the time that crude oil prices were very high. And therefore, the government intervention to try to manage crude oil prices at the pump came through these government-to-government negotiations uh, between the Ghana government and some other suppliers in, in, in the Emirates. And, and then we had already started our Gold for Reserves program. And, you know, this idea of, you know, exchanging gold directly for oil came up. That's how it all started. Uh, so that was one form of intervention, the barter trade. And then there were also cases where we had to sell the gold and pay for the oil use in the U.S. dollars. So it helped during the crisis to manage that problem. And we have found that a 
as a, a very useful program. The issue is, have we reached the point where we think that the markets have settled, that foreign exchange market is behaving well, and therefore uh, Bank of Ghana could probably, you know, focus on its core business of uh, managing inflation. These are the assessments that we are making, and these are the discussions we have had with the fund. Uh, we are evaluating, you know, our exposure to the whole program and the risk that it brings to the bank, uh, and then the bank's board would have to evaluate that report. That report is not yet ready, but once that report is ready, we will take a decision on, on when to exit. Meanwhile, Executive Director of IAS, Nanamwesi the seventh, says the goal for oil program has not achieved its intended purpose of stabilizing prices of petroleum products. According to him, the program did not make any significant gains and the IMF program will not redeem the gold for oil program. As of last July, when we did check um, the importation against the market, and I'm talking about the importation of fuel, um, you know, um, reference to the gold for your program to the entire market volume, we could say that the gold for your program was contributing roughly 17% of uh, the importation of product that we need in the country. This is not significant in, enough to induce the market uh, and, and the prices. And so we can't say the gold for your program has achieved any uh, purpose as to relative to uh, fuel price on the Ghanaian markets. What we know is that over the past eight months, prices of petroleum products on the international markets have been dropping. And so if you manage well your own forex, then of course, um, we'll have some reprieve or some form of cushioning, uh, in the, on the Ghanaian front. So we can say the go for your program has done much to fuel prices in the country relative to uh, the volume of importation. The Bank of Ghana is still assessing the, the, the risk of the program to, to the Bank of Ghana. Until you have done this, no IMF program will support such um, an initiative. They want to understand that, do you know your own exposure to this program? Is it that, uh, don't you know or do you really know there is going to be a fiscal burden on the economy in some time to come? And so until that is clear, the IMF program will not support such an initiative. The central bank, the governor of the Bank of Ghana, Dr. Ernest Addison, is insisting that the city has responded positively to the International Monetary Fund program, which has culminated in $1.2 billion inflows. George Raffi has more on this and other issues highlighted by the governor. Some have questioned the IMF program's influence on the local currency's fortunes. This was after the city ended last year with about 27% depreciation has even seen some blips over the past weeks. But Governor, the Bank of Ghana disagrees. This is not a fixed exchange rate. But if you look at the graph, it appears as if the CD has been fixed. Right? But that reflects, you know, some of the improved external sector conditions, the improvement in the current account balance, the improvement in the foreign exchange buffers of the central bank. And, and then the emergence of confidence in the economy, and therefore the currency has remained relatively stable. 
at least we are not seeing the very high depreciation that you were seeing in 2022. Remember, the currency depreciated by over 50% in 2022. Now this year we are looking at 7. That's the impact of the flows that have come in. The Bank of Ghana Governor Dr. Ernest Addison also justified the marginal policy rate cut despite push for a bigger reduction to help stimulate growth. Inflation is too high. At the same time, we are also watching the impact on the growth side. And therefore, we are trying to manage two things, uh, looking at sticking to our core mandate of bringing inflation down and at the same time being mindful of the need to give a little bit of you know uh, incentives to the growth side also by the decision to cut uh, the policy rate by 100 basis points now if you look at the ECF program it was expected that growth will slow if you can't have this very tight fiscal consolidation very tight monetary policy and not have growth slow down. In fact, we are seeing that growth has performed better than originally projected. The banking sector remains robust and they are even in a strong position to recapitalize way before the proposed deadline. Banks are doing much better than we anticipated. We remember we had given them uh, up to 2026 or so, three years to recapitalize. But they are way ahead of of the recapitalization plans that they have submitted. Uh, most of them have had their annual general meetings where they are getting their shareholders to uh, sort of raise uh, resources. Uh, and therefore the problem really, I think, has been taken care of. The banks that have got investment will see the government also coming in with, with more resources. So, Sullivan, I think that rest assured that our banks are very strong and resilient and we don't foresee any major problems with uh, bank capitalization in the country. The Bank of Ghana Governor Dr. Ernest Addison also indicated that Ghana is doing far better than expected when it comes to the target set under the IMF program. Therefore, there wouldn't be any need for some extra measures implemented to aid in the quick recovery of the economy. Ghana Commercial Bank believes its strategy to go digital has reinforced its position as one of Ghana's top-tier banks with a strong market dominance. According to its managing director, Kofi Adomako, its digital approach has not only secured its position as a top-tier bank, but has also solidified its market dominance. He spoke at the bank's 70th anniversary gala and awards. The special guest of honor for the night, President Akufuado, urged the bank to continue to partner with the government to ensure access to cheap long-term finance for businesses across the country. Managing the... I ask the bank to use the occasion of its 70th anniversary celebrations to lead a patriotic cri de for an industry-wide partnership with government to drive down lending rates for our businesses and young entrepreneurs. I invite you access long-term financing.
for businesses, especially for our young entrepreneurs. The success of GCB Bank is knitted with the success of our nation, and I have full confidence that the bank will continue to play a pivotal role in shaping a prosperous future for Mother Ghana. Director of GCB Bank, PLC, Kofi Adumako, lauded the bank's resilience over the years. We're the most resilient bank in the market today. Okay, the debt exchange program, yes, it did have an impact. We made a loss in 2022, huh? We saw the loss. We did make a loss, but we turned around the profit. We took one of the heaviest impairments in the market. But GCB has a strong customer base. Look, this bank is 70 years old. We have the biggest retail book in this country. Okay? We have the biggest customer base in this country. We are spread all over the country. Okay? We are deep. We're a very deep bank. This bank is a national asset. In 10 years, GCB Bank should look more like a regional bank. So just watch that space. The gala and awards night saw present and former managing directors, employees, and key stakeholders being awarded by the bank for their immeasurable contribution to the bank's growth and development since its inception seven decades ago. Away from the banking sector, the equity market is expected to perform well in 2024 due to the improving economy, low market valuation, and increasing interest in equities. That's a forecast by Data Bank Research. It's forecast a rise in the Ghana Stock Exchange Composite Index to gain 20% by the end of the year. Here's more. The research firm said it expects banking stocks to fare better in 2024 as the financial sector continues recuperating from the aftermath of the domestic debt exchange program. Banks are undergoing another round of recapitalization and many expect them to become better equipped to absorb shocks and maintain financial stability. This will present a potentially profitable investment opportunity over the medium to long term. Data Bank Research also expects Ghana's telecom market leader, MTN, to continue to do well in 2024 as its favorable market valuation, strong financial performance, and consistent dividend payout continue to draw investor interest. Despite the strong performance among consumer goods counters in 2023, it however foresees more capacity for these stocks to continue to do well in 2024, benefiting from the rebounding of the Ghanaian economy. The insurance sector has been ranked last in customer service according to a report by the Institute of Customer Service Professionals. The sector scored 61.5%. Meanwhile, the research conducted by the Institute identified the telecommunication industry as the best-ranked sector in customer service with a score of 88.12%. The Institute disclosed that customer service improved to 73.94% in 2023, which represents a 7.68% increase from 2022. Here are details of the report. The research spanned around 11 parameters, which included trust, look and feel, competence, professionalism, ease of doing business, among others. The report measured customer satisfaction, its causes and effects, as well as implication for 10 economic sectors. I think that mostly, if you checked, I think last year they had a lot of regulatory issues. Um, that particular sector also has issues with fraud and um, claim, claim scams. Okay, so I am anticipating 
that it's become very difficult for them or some of these um, insurance institutions to deal with these particular issues. And the minute that happens, um, the very person whose experience is touched is the customer. So for, for the insurance sector, I think those are some of the things that made it very difficult for them to um, come up top, so be in the first five. That being said, their responses were also not as much or as many as it used to be. So last year, they had close to 500 responses. This year, it was about 169. So again, you can see that the number of people who responded on their behalf wasn't really um, what was expected. And that also accounts for the low scores that they had. Ghana has made um, or has had an improvement. We're now rated B as opposed to C from last year um, with a 69.21 percentage. This year, 63 points and above is what we, we ended up getting. And um, in as much as some organizations and some sectors also didn't do too well, the general or overall customer experience rate for Ghana has increased. So it's, it's actually a good thing. The Ghana Customer Service Index is a national indicator of customer evaluations of the quality of goods and services patronized by both Ghanaians and non-Ghanaians living in Ghana. James Ishan's report for Joy Business. The Africa Business Council is making a strong case for the government of Ghana and other governments across Africa to implement a policy that will reserve 40% of all public procurements to African businesses. The Africa Business Council says the concept, if adopted, will create an African continent full of prosperity. President of the Africa Business Council was speaking in an exclusive interview on foreign affairs on the Joy News Channel. Our intra-Africa trade does not exceed like 16% among ourselves compared, for instance, to Asia, which is exceeded 60%. Uh, Europe, uh, it's over 58% among themselves. So what are really the enablers to make us trade among ourselves? And what are we going to trade? So within this context, our founding uh, vision of uh, Africa Business Council is a competitive, borderless, innovative Africa for trade, investment, and industrialization. So really the core issue, how to industrialize and add value to trade among ourselves. And this we have a strategy, we call it the triad of empowerment, which is really based on three pillars. The first pillar is the private sector strengthening, including SMEs, women, and youth. I need to empower our majority of the African private sector. It's small and medium enterprises, the women entrepreneurs, the cross-border traders. All those are, because the private sector is not homogenous. How we do this? By building capacity, skills development, information, technology, to empower our people. The second pillar really is about policy advocacy. We need an enabling environment. And we are happy, thanks to the government of Ghana, thanks to His Excellency President Nana, for uh, uh, really being uh, under his auspices, the Africa uh, Prosperity uh, Dialogue, because what we need is the political will. How we reduce corporate taxes, how we promote incentives for investment from African investment, how we have a special uh, treatment for our African private sector. So one of the things we are working on now, and it's already uh, was recommendation of the African Union Private Sector Forum, adopted by the ministers of planning and uh, and finance is to have at least 
40% of all government procurement goes to African private sector, including SMEs, women and youth. Finance will be key in achieving that. Uh, I believe, uh, you know, the, the world is just returning from the World Economic Forum, where, of course, that has come up really strongly on how uh, we should be supporting developing or emerging markets in these very trying and challenging times. Of course, issues about, you know, financing has been a challenge for many African countries. How do we weather the storm and to try as much as possible to raking and mobilize lots of funding to support these agenda that we have? So first, as I, there should be financial inclusion. This again, what we are really promoting, how to have financial inclusion and uh, facilitate financial services, access to credit, access to finance, to bankable projects. To have a bankable projects, we need to really support how it's going to be bankable, how to support the projects, or whether it's a, it's a government, it's a private sector. But above this, our, our financial institutions on the continent have to be empowered themselves. The Secretary General of the Africa Continental Free Trade Area says we're making progress in his estimation when it comes to this um, trading framework. Do you share the same assertion that indeed we are making progress with the framework? Yes, uh, we, we, we have already leaped ahead several phases. So there is now the protocol for women use, there is protocol for digital uh, trade. There is a really going, the movement is going on. We need to push it further and we need the political will, as I said, to accelerate the process. But again, who is going to implement it? The private sector. So we need to have the private sector really empowered and have a lead and make sure that we are going uh, parallel together to realize the ACFTA. The African Development Bank says it is worried that although we're making strides in raising revenue and building prosperity on the African continent, there seems to be a challenge. And the challenge is that there is still illicit flow uh, of finance out of the African continent. How worried is the African Business Council about this development as well? We have a sector, as a cluster for financial services and financial inclusion right. that really works on this sector to see how, we, how the financial sector is really uh, organized and how we have access to finance because many of the things happen that at least now when you want payment, the payments around the continent is not easy. So the AfriExam has put this payment system so that we are able to promote, to, to, to trade among ourselves with our local currencies because this again is very important. So the, these, uh, these initiatives should be really used by the private sector, supported by the governments and the political leaders and uh, making it awareness for all the African people. Energy analyst with the Institute of Energy Securities, Adam Yakubu, has revealed that Africa's huge carbon potential provides an enormous opportunity to raise finance in the increasing carbon credit markets globally. Currently, the continent is home to some of the planet's most important natural carbon repositories, including forests, grasslands, peacelands, and mangroves. There's more. Africa is positioning itself to do carbon credits, said that we trade off so that there's a net off with those which, are, which countries have exhausted their carbon footprints. Africa still has potential. If you look at the number of sustainability projects we can do, can raise and use that as financing or raise that as capital or credit to be exchanged or netted off with countries that have exhausted their financing. I think that we, we can do very well, especially in Ghana. We have the potential. We can still do a number of the housing projects we can do the three projects and we have a national tree project if we can get that properly planned and properly 
accounted for, then at the end of the day, you can net it off. And it comes in as credit. And that's something that will be a plus to our revenue numbers. Yeah. That'll be all for tonight. My name is Emma Davis. For more business news, do log on to myjoyonline.com. Up next is Prime Sports. But here is some international business.